And uh, if you were at the prayer meeting yesterday morning, you got the cliff notes of what I'm going to preach today. And um, I, I said a few words there as a devotional, and, uh, and uh, I really got to studying on that the other day and, and uh, what I brought out yesterday in just a few minutes, and, and uh, it turned into a a full-blown sermon, and so that's what you're going to get this morning. So, uh, But uh, I promise you uh, there's a lot more in the message than what you heard yesterday. Uh, so take your Bibles this morning, take your Bibles and find the book of Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel chapter number 22 to be exact, and uh, we'll look here and see what the Lord's got for us today. And Ezekiel chapter number 22, Ezekiel chapter 22 and uh, we'll dig into this passage for a little while this morning. If you found your place, let's go ahead and stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God, Ezekiel 22. And I'm going to read several verses here. We're going to begin reading in verse number 23, Ezekiel 22, 23 this morning. So if you found your place, look here in verse number 23 with me where the Word of the Lord says... And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, His son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening their prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths. And I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst uh, thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. And her prophet have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. Boy, we got this could be a front page news article, couldn't it? Uh, as far as the day in which we live and even the churches, I, I'm telling you. Uh, right there, verse 28 again. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God when the Lord hath not spoken. Verse 29 says, The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Fully. Verse 30 says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing, God, that you would, a blessing over the reading of your word this morning, Father, and I pray that you would help us, God, today. I pray that you would work in our hearts as we look into your precious word, Father. I pray, God, that you would 
convict our hearts, God. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would, uh, God, if there's one here lost and undone without you, I pray that they'd be saved today. God, I pray that you would just do a work that only you can do. You know our need, Father, and I pray that you would meet that need today, God. Uh, Father, I pray that you would uh, just have your will and have your way. Help me as I preach. God, I pray that you would get my flesh out of the way for a little while and just use me as a hollow vessel through which you can speak your word today, Father. Oh God, I pray that you would help us, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. And what we've read here in the book of Ezekiel chapter 22 is where we're at here in the context of what's going on historically. Uh, Judah had turned her back on God and worshipped idols, and uh, which is a common theme in the Old Testament. That's what we find time and time again. Uh, the, the country there, the children had, for, had uh, failed to keep the Sabbath, which was a token of the covenant made with God. Uh, Judah no longer trusted God. Instead, they were making alliances with foreign nations. And uh, all through chapter 22, and uh, the passage, the text that I read to you already this morning, uh, we find uh, Ezekiel pointing out the sins of Jerusalem and her impending doom. In verse 25 and 28, if you look back through there, you'll find that prophets were making merchandise of the people. Uh, basically, they were making money off of them, and they were getting rich off of the people. Priests were violating the law instead of teaching the law, according to verse 26. It says there, uh, verse number 26 tells us that that's exactly what they were doing. They violated, hey, here's the thing, it's not God's intention that the priest violate the law that he's supposed to be teaching people. It just doesn't make any sense, does it? That's what we call a hypocrite. And that's what we find there in verse number 27. We find that the civil rulers were like wolves going after the sheep. And uh, uh, we find in verse 29 that people, uh, the people were oppressing the poor and they were oppressing the strangers. And because of all of this, in verse 30, we find that God sought for a man to stand in the gap. He says in verse 30, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. And uh, I tell you, God was looking for a man here. He was looking for someone to rebuke God's people for their sins. He was looking for someone to stand against the tides of wickedness. He was looking for someone to teach the truth in the midst of all of the lies and the error. He was looking for someone to prevent the destruction of a heathen nation. And uh, verse, uh, verse number 30, it says that God is looking. And I'm just going to tell you this morning, we're in the same boat today in America. I'm telling you, when I read through those verses there, if you didn't see what's going on today, I don't know any clearer picture. People are taken advantage of. People are oppressed. Uh, we've got pe people standing in the pulpits and people that are being looked up to as spiritual advisors that are saying, though God told me when God hadn't talked to them. You know how I know that? I'm not being arrogant. You know how I know that? Because I know what God says in His Word. 
I know for a fact, let me just tell you, if it goes against the Word of God in the Bible, it's not the Word of God. You better watch out. I'm telling you, and, and, and I understand where I'm at, and I understand what's been said before, and I've said things, but I'm going to tell you something. You better watch out for somebody that says, oh, God told me. When you hear God told me or the Lord inspired me or the Lord laid it on my heart, well, it better not go against that. Because if it goes against the written Word of God, I can guarantee you God did not tell you that. God did not inspire you. God did not... I'm just being honest with you. And how do I know that? That's not being arrogant. I'm just being honest with you. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, we just talked about it on Wednesday, that, that, uh, that in the old days, God spoke through the prophets. But in this generation, in this dispensation, how has He chosen to reveal His Word to us? He's revealed it through His Son, Jesus Christ. We have His Word. It's in the Word. And so we need to remember that. You better be scared. I'm telling you, you that's the biggest thing. You look up these guys like Kenneth Copeland and Jesse Duplantis and, 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 and all of these New Age people, Bill Johnson and his wife and, and Joyce Meyer and all of these false prophets of our day. That's the first thing they say. You don't have, they hardly ever get the Bible out. But every time they get behind something, they get a mic on them, they say, you know, God told me. God told me this. God told me this. God told me to tell you to write me a $1,000 check today. Yeah. Benny Hinn said, hey, hey, Kenneth Copeland's bold enough to say that. And people are dumb enough to do it. And that's a sad thing. I'm telling you, if you don't see where we're at in these verses right here, I'm telling you, I can't go anywhere in the Bible without seeing what's going on in the world today right now. And here's the bad thing. Here's the sad thing. In verse 30, God tells us that He's, he's looking for someone. He's looking for a man who will make up the hedge, who will stand in the gap, but He found none. He says, but I found none. There was no one found to stand in the gap. And why was God looking for someone to stand in the gap? So the city would not experience the wrath and the indignation of an almighty God. Because here's what happens in verse number 31. Because he did not find a man to stand in the gap. The Bible says, therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. I find that interesting. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads. You know what God did? He just let them have what they wanted. He let them have what they wanted. You look at the world today, you look at America, you look at the United States, and you see what's going on all around us. And I'm going to tell you something. You know how God, God has many forms of judgment upon nations. Many forms. Because God can do what He wants to do. But I'm going to tell you something. When you go through the Bible, there's a couple things that are glaring. I mean, they stick out like sore thumbs. It's just like somebody highlighted it and wrote it in big, bold letters. You know what He did? 
To the nation of Israel, all throughout the Old Testament, he did a couple different things. One of them, he gave them wicked rulers. That's one way God would judge them. And then, another way, he'd let them have what they wanted. We see that in America. We see our nation going the way. But here's the scary thing. They don't really want that. Because you know what? You and I as children of God, we know the end of it. We know what's going to happen in the future. We know what's going to happen to them. But right now, they're just doing what they want to do. Mm. It's judgment though. Standing in the gap is the focus of this passage in Ezekiel. And the nation of Israel was in moral ruin. And God was looking for a man that would stand in the gap and repair the breach and the moral walls of the nation. By the way, that's what building a hedge or making up the hedge is. We'll get into that more in just a minute. But he was looking for somebody. Why was he looking for somebody? Well, I've already mentioned it, but here's another way. Restraint was gone and replaced with indulgence. Serving others was replaced with selfishness and greed. Common sense was replaced with confusion. Yes, that's true. Well, is that not where we're at? Love for others, love for others was replaced by lust. Intimacy with God was replaced with idolatry and iniquity. And my, oh my, this sounds a lot like the world we're living in, doesn't it? The question needs to be asked today, who will stand in the gap? The Bible says, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. You think about this. God sought for someone to prevent him from bringing judgment upon the land. That's a, that's a picture of grace right there. You don't know, according to the book of Isaiah, that judgment is God's strange work. Why is it His strange work? He doesn't like it. But being a just God and a holy God and a righteous God, He has to judge when people will not turn. But all throughout the Bible, I mean, just all throughout the Scripture, you will find that God gives chance after chance after chance after chance of a nation being right, a person getting right, before He drops judgment on them. And we see it right here. You think about back in, in, in the book of Genesis with the land of Sodom, or the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Hey, if one righteous person could have been found to stand in the gap... I strongly believe, and I, I, I know people disagree with me on this, and I don't have, well, I feel like I got Bible to prove it because of passages like Ezekiel 22 here and passages there in Genesis 18 when Abraham and God are going back and forth about finding someone righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. So I really feel like I've got Bible to back this up, although some people disagree with me. I feel like in America today, the only thing standing between America and the judgment of God is a few righteous people I really do and when there's none to be found when there are none left God's judgment will rain down 
I personally believe what's going to wind up happening based on Scripture is uh, there's going to be a point in time when God is going to rapture those righteous people out of the earth. There will be none left and we'll see the tribulation period. Hmm. So notice with me in this verse, in verse number 30, I read several verses, but I'm taking the message out of verse 30. I want you to notice the search. The Bible says in that verse, and I sought I sought. That word salt indicates an earnest seeking. God did not want to bring judgment and He sought earnestly how to prevent the judgment. No one, I'm just being honest with you, and I know people do and people say things, but nobody can complain about God's judgment when you think about the earnestness of God in trying to prevent judgment from coming upon the people. God does everything He can. Yes, He does. Amen. And gives people time after time, chance after chance after chance to do the right thing before He judges them. That's why so many people today, I believe, can do what they do. I've often said a couple things talking about people in church and and people that don't live like a Christian, but they say they're a Christian, they do different things. I've often said this, I'm convinced they're not really Christians because that's the only way God would allow them to live. Because of His grace. He gives everybody. And He's not obligated to. He's not obligated to. I've often told people in preaching and even talking to them, if God is dealing with you, you better not reject Him because He has no responsibility and He has no reason to ever visit you again. And so here's the thing though, God in His grace, in His mercy, is trying to find just one person, one man to stand in the gap here. So it made me wonder, why is it that God didn't find anyone? The Bible said, I mean, we are talking about His chosen people here. We are talking about people that supposedly knew the God of the universe, the one true God of Israel. We're talking about those people. So why couldn't He find one righteous? And I thought about this. Perhaps they were just too busy. You know, many people are preoccupied with worldly concerns. I think of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, where the Bible says, For Demas hath forsaken me. Why did he forsake Paul? Well, having loved this present world. Why did Demas fall off the boat, so to speak? Why did he make shipwreck of his life? Why did he leave the ministry? Having loved this present world. I'm going to tell you something. That ain't just something that happens in the New Testament. That happens every day all around us. Luke chapter 8 verse 14 tells us about the seed which is the Word of God. The Bible says it fell among thorns and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. Yeah. Think about the rich young ruler. He turned away and he walked away. Sad. Why? 
The Lord looked at him and said, if you want eternal life, then you go do this. And what he told him to do is go. You know why God told God? I'm just being honest. I, I, a lot of people think that a life of in, being a Christian is a is it means you got to be poverty it means you got to be broke. Not necessarily. It depends on what you love. You know why God told that man to go get sell all that thou hast and get rid of all of this and give because God knew who the real God was in that rich young ruler's life. And I would say to you, if your money comes between you and God, that is a good spot for it right there. <laughs> Yeah, whatever it is, money, cars, house, job, I'm speaking from experience. You need to get rid of it. <laughs> oh me, I am not a popular preacher today. But here's the thing, just think about that. It reminds me of that verse in Luke 8, 14 where that word was choked. You know what happened to that rich young ruler? The word of the Lord was choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of that young man's life. And he walked away. You remember just a few weeks ago and I preached out of Haggai chapter number 1 on the thought of why does my house lie in waste? Well, how I preached there, I preached two messages. I preached how the children of Israel there had been so busy building up their own houses and building up their own businesses and building up their own lives that they forgot about God's house and left it laying there in ruins. Hmm. So I wonder perhaps... God couldn't find anybody because they were just too busy. They couldn't be bothered. Perhaps they were waiting for someone else to stand in the gap for them. Think about that. We've got many people today, you know why they don't do anything? Because they're just sitting back waiting for somebody else to do it. Man. You need to stand up and be counted for. Yeah. Yeah. Waiting for somebody else to stand for them. Perhaps they just thought it wasn't that important. There's several reasons. I'm just giving you a few. Perhaps they thought it just wasn't that important. You know, I've heard people say concerning their children, well, I don't know what the big deal is. They need to get out and sow a few wild oats. I don't know why the preacher thinks we ought to shelter our children so much. Y'all ever heard people say stuff like that? Yeah. I've been criticized for sheltering my children. And you know what? They're my children. I'm the one that's going to give an account to God for how I raised them. So, there you go. But you know, preachers sometimes will get up and they'll preach about that. They'll tell people about that. People say, well, I just don't understand what the big deal is. You will one day. You will one day. I saw, oh man, I watched a video last night. It was a, it was a uh, video of this kid in a store and this woman had him and she was holding on to him by his shirt. I'm talking like, how old was that kid? Like three, four? She was letting that kid, they had already got kicked out of the store one time. She's letting that kid just run around, just knock stuff off the shelf. Just... 
throw things and knock up. I mean, just it was horrible. And she was sitting there holding. And, and the, the manager of the store had walked up to her and said, ma'am, you've already been banned from this store because you will not, uh, you will not take control of your child. And uh, he said, you must control your child if you're going to be in here. And uh, he was in the process of... And that little three or four-year-old, I can't even say what came out of his mouth. He looked at that manager and said a few choice words that shouldn't come out of anybody's mouth, much less an adult's mouth. And of course you know where the little boy learned it all from. Miss Mom of the Year standing there not doing anything. We got a whole world of people like that. And you know, one of these days, she's going to wish for her own sake and his sake, she had done something about it. There's people sitting in our churches that are in the same condition. It's hard to believe, but it's true. And every time the man of God stands up using the Word of God and says something about it, they want to sit back and go, well, I don't understand what the big deal is. It gets aggravating. People just care. The man of God just cares. God cares. Many people say things like, well, I wish the preacher would just lay off preaching so hard on service and on sin and all these things. And, and, and uh, here's, here's, here's what a lot of people say. Y'all ready for this? Here's what a lot of people say. Why can't he just preach Jesus and leave issues alone? That's one of them things where you say, tell me your spiritual maturity level without telling me your spiritual maturity level. Why can't the preacher just preach Jesus and leave all the issues alone? Why has he got to preach on sin? Why has he got to, why has he got to rebuke? Well, by the way, if you look at the formula for preaching in the Bible, it's two-thirds reprove and rebuke. One-third is exhortation. Go home and look it up if you don't believe me. There's a formula for the Word of God. There's three things that it's used for. Reproof, rebuke, and exhortation. If I get my, if I get my calculations right with my uh, fractions, that is two-thirds reproving and rebuking and only one-third exhorting. Well, preacher, what's that boil down to? It means you ought to reprove and rebuke more than you exhort. And you should have all three. It's the Word of God. But here's, here's what people say. They say, why can't he just preach Jesus and leave all the issues alone? Well, let me just go ahead and tell you this morning. It is impossible. It's not this morning. It's this afternoon. It is impossible to preach Jesus and not preach on sin. It is impossible to preach Jesus and not preach on repentance. It is impossible to preach Jesus and not preach on hell. It is impossible to preach Jesus and not preach on service. And if you ever hear a man, I'll just go ahead and put it out there because you'll find him. If you ever hear a man preaching on Jesus and he's not preaching any of those things, he's not preaching the Jesus that is in this Word. Let me tell you one phrase I hear and I see all the time and it absolutely drives me up the wall. It does. I don't act like I get upset about a lot of things. I don't. But ask Nicole. She knows. 
because she gets to hear the preaching in the car when we drive by places. But listen, here's, here's the thing. I see this on social media. I see it on t-shirts. I see it on bumper stickers. I even saw it this week on the sign of a local independent Baptist church here in town. Here's what it says. Y'all ready for this? Don't turn me off if you like this phrase because I'm going somewhere with this. Just love everybody. God will sort them out later. Let me tell you why it drives me up the wall. You want to know why it drives me up the wall? Let me tell you. We're loving people straight to hell. We are, as children of God, to speak the truth in love. But we are never to compromise the truth because of love. And that is what is being peddled in our world today. It's being peddled in our churches today, in the pulpits of America, that we can somehow compromise the truth of Scripture and put love somewhere up here at the top. Let me tell you something. You don't truly love someone that you can't tell the truth to. We are to love everyone. And you know what? God is going to sort them all out later. But y'all, that's what I'm afraid of. He's going to sort them out all right. He's going to sort them out later at the judgment seat. And you know what happens there? It's too late. It's too late to be saved then. Oh, folks, we cannot go through life. Well, just love everybody and God will sort them out later. Mm -mm. No. You love everybody and you stand in the gap. And you make up the hedge. And you tell the truth in love. Make up the hedge. Stand in the gap now. You got an opportunity right now. When we get to the point where God is sorting everyone out, there's no opportunity then. You know why? Because that will be judgment. Many people today are inviting the adversary to have his way through thoughts like this and it's thinking and they think it is for the best. They mean well. It sounds good. But honey, it is deceptive. Always remember... God's way is best. Proverbs 14, 12. Don't ever forget this verse. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So we see a search going on, but we also see, we see the search, but we see the subject. What is the subject of the search? Look at verse 30 again. It says, and I sought for a man among them. Listen, there are many things that the Lord could do on His own, but He chooses to use a human instrument to do His will in many situations. God was looking for a man from His own people. He was looking for one person to do His will and meet the need of the hour. He Notice, man, He's looking for a man. It's singular. The Hebrew word used right here means this, a person, humankind, male or female. He's looking for someone. One person. You know the most important number in the Bible is the number one. 
Think about it. Anyone who comes to Him will not be cast out. Any or everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus is pictured standing at the door of the human heart in Revelation saying, if anyone hears my voice. You think about that. Paul said this, one thing I do. Jesus told the rich young ruler, one thing you lack. Jesus said of Mary who sat at His feet that she had discovered the one thing that was needful. Will you be the one who will accept Him, serve Him, share Him with others? One. Will you be the one who stands in the gap? Think about this. One man named Abraham began a nation by obeying God and becoming the father of the faith. One man named Job was God's instrument to prove to Satan that he was not all powerful. And there were men who loved God and could endure Satan's attacks. One man named Moses stood up to Pharaoh and led God's people out of the bondage of Egypt. One man named Joseph saved the nation and turned from temptation. One man named Elijah stood against all the prophets of Baal and the wickedness, uh, the wickedest rulers in history to call the people to repentance and follow the Lord. One teenager named David, uh, he fought for the nation when he faced Goliath. One man named Jonah was used to preach the greatest revival in human history to a wicked city. One woman named Esther rescued the nation by risking her life. One preacher named Paul spread the gospel over the world by being obedient. And he was also used to write the large, uh, a large portion of the New Testament. So let me ask you this. Can one person make a difference? Absolutely they can. The Bible proves it. And today God is looking for a man. One person. So point number three today. Point number three, we find the solution. We see the search. We see the subject. Now we see the solution. How does one make up the hedge and stand in the gap? How do we do it? Look at the verse again. It says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. That word, that phrase for the land really caught my attention there. And for the land means to intercede, to stand as a sponsor for the lost world. We are not better than anyone else. But we are told that once we know Jesus, we are to go before God for the lost and unchurched. Amen goes right there. This involves praying. This involves praying, then getting off of our knees and going to the people for whom we are praying. My friend, that's getting more difficult every day. We must pray as never before for the lost. And it don't stop there. We must go as never before to the lost. 
You see, prayer is the way we defeat the devil. Prayer is the way you get the lost saved. Prayer is the way you acquire wisdom. Prayer is the way a backslider gets restored. Prayer is how the saints get strengthened. Prayer is the way to get laborers out into the mission field. Prayer is how we cure the sick. Prayer is how we accomplish the impossible. Why is that? Because we are talking to the one who can do all that. He can do all things. Listen to me, it's a sad day in which we live that we are seeing doors open all over the world to share the gospel and watching them close here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Philippines can't get enough Bibles. Those people are so hungry for the Word of God. And we got America here and half people won't even open up a Bible. And as we sat here, church, sleeping, as we sat here doing nothing, as we sat here thinking and waiting for somebody else to stand in the gap, nobody is standing in the gap and our religious freedoms are slowly being taken away and we don't even realize it. I'm not saying everybody fits that bill, but the majority do. That's the problem. That's the problem. You think about this, stand in the gap. It's to remain. Gap means that which is falling down, where there is a breach occurring. You can think about it like this, y'all. It's like uh, it's like when we were sitting there praying for them children and praying for our schools. I can just a picture with my imagination. There is a wall of protection about our schools and about our children. But honey, there's a gap in there. And the devil and his forces are knocking that wall down and they're trying to get through and God is looking for someone who will stand in that gap and fight. We ought to be willing to do it. Every child of God, we ought to be willing to fight and we we ought to not just sit down and go to sleep and just take what the devil brings us. Oh, one of these days, everything that we take so much for granted is going to be gone. And once it's gone, you're going to miss it. Stand in the gap, the Bible says. To stand before, you think about this, it said before me for the land. To stand before me for the land. You know what that means? Before. It means to stand before the face of God. Do you know why? Because God is ready to pour out His judgment. He's looking for a man who will stand. We see it all over. We see what's going on in our schools. We see what's going on in our society. We see what's going on with our children. It's judgment. You know why we're seeing it? Well, somewhere, some way, somehow, somebody has stopped standing in the gap. God desired a person here who would intercede on behalf of His people in order to bridge the gap between a holy God and the disobedient, rebellious, profane people. Without somebody standing in the gap, 
There was only judgment for him. It's been said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. That's where we're at. Oh, we don't understand how important the church is. Without the church, let me just put, I know I'm going to preach till I'm done. Here's the thing. The church is the only thing in many cases right now. When you see what happened in the past few years with the pandemic, you could say what you want. I know, I understand, I understand. It's a sensitive subject even today. The church, you go back through and you think about all the controversy that started in 2020. Started in March of 2020 and went all the way through the end of the pandemic. You think about all the controversy. You know what the controversy was? It was the church standing between the rights of the people and what our government wanted to do. You can look at it however you want to. Church is essential. Without the church, there is nothing standing between people and government rule. You don't have to agree with me, but I'm right. Why was it? I'm still mad about it, by the way. I'm still mad about it. You want to shut churches down and you want to find churches. You want to put pastors in prison. This is America I'm talking about. But it's okay for thousands of people to hit the streets and riot. I'm still mad about it. I'll die mad about it. And you know what it was all about? It wasn't about nobody's safety. It wasn't about a sickness. I know I'm on a soapbox. I need to shut up. It was about an attack on the church. They've already got a taste. And I guarantee you it won't be the last time we see it. Guarantee it. I saw a woman this past week on national television condone the murder of anyone who is pro-life. She's an activist. And they were praising her on this talk show. And they said, well, if you do this and you do this and it don't work, what do you suggest us do? And she said, murder. Of course, they said, oh, you're just joking. You're just... She never cracked a smile. And she looked at him, and you could tell they were telling her to shut up. One of them said, you don't need to say that. They'll, they'll take this and run with it. And she was like, the woman just sat there like, murder. That's the idea. They would, by the way, they condone murder to support murder. That's how the devil works. That's the America we're living in. That's the America we're heading toward. And my friends, I've been preaching, preaching on Wednesdays, studying on Wednesdays on tri- the trial of our faith. It's coming. 
And as Warren Wiersbe said, very, very the, much wisdom from Mr. Wiersbe. He said, a faith that can't be tested is a faith that's not worth anything. Yeah. My friend, we've been afforded to live. I'm, I'm just being real with you. We've been, at, we've been afforded so much prosperity and so much blessing in America. We've been able, a lot of us have lived our entire lives and never have had our faith tested. Yes. So you know what's coming? We're going to find out who's real and who ain't. And it's coming. And you know what God's looking for? He's searching for somebody that will make up the hedge and will stand in the gap. He's looking for Christians that will go out into this world and they'll make a difference by living for and presenting Jesus as Lord and Savior. Yeah. I saw another picture since we was talking about school. I'll be done in a minute. It's one service. I got to get both in. I saw another video yesterday. I was looking at some stuff. Public school. Young man walked in. He said nothing. He did not provoke the teacher for nothing, but he had a cross around his neck. I don't even know what the guy stood for. I don't know if he's Catholic, if he was Baptist, if he just likes crosses. Who knows? That teacher went on a full-blown verbal assault of him in front of the entire class because he had a cross around his neck. We're past the days of even being able to open our mouths. They'll look at us and they'll hate us. It's coming. Just like the man that was thrown out of the mall of America because he had a shirt on and said, Jesus saves. Happened back around Christmas. I don't remember exactly when it was. All he was doing was walking around the mall. He wasn't saying nothing. He wasn't preaching. He had no megaphone. He was just walking around the mall with a yellow shirt on that said Jesus saves on the front and Jesus saves on the back. And they kicked him out of the mall because they said his shirt was offending people. That's where we are at right now. You know the only reason we don't understand it and we don't realize it? It's not hit Surrey County yet, but it's coming. We need to be standing in the gap. We need to be making up the hedge. We need courage. And we need a faith that can be tested. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, stand all over the place. Miss Dawn, you come play for us shortly this morning.